Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Flourish FM. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Gilda Scarf, an expert on mental toughness, about what mental toughness is and how we can build it. Gilda is the founder and CEO of Positive Ed and the Mental Toughness Institute. And she's a member of the advisory board of the Global Flourishing Study, which is led by the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard University in collaboration with Baylor University and Gallup. She's a positive psychologist practitioner and a mental toughness expert with a PhD in the conceptualization of mental toughness and its application in education. And she's worked in performance psychology, mental toughness, and leadership science for over 15 years. So great conversation. Nick, what were some highlights for you? Yeah, somebody that exists in a similar space, I just really appreciated that Jilda was very nuanced in her approach. Um, I think one thing I would want our listeners to hear right now is that the way she talks about mental toughness is not just a suck it up and deal with whatever life throws at you sort of um, situation. She talked a lot about the individual's role in that, but also the role of the community. She talked a lot about concepts like maintaining well-being, focusing on vulnerability, being emotionally agile, and then some other things that you might traditionally hear in conversations about mental toughness. But it was a lot more dynamic, a lot more nuanced, um, and not surprisingly, because she's such a brilliant woman. Awesome, man. Thank you. Okay, so this is our episode with Gilda Scarf on mental toughness. Hope you love it. Hey, Gilda. Hello. Hi, Gilda. How are you doing? Not too bad. A bit hectic beginning of the year, but it's quite good. Well, we're glad we're finally doing this. Appreciate it, Gilda. No, thank you both. Gilda, it's great to have you here today. And you've led such a fascinating life traversing <laughs> several fields. As I learned recently when we had lunch together, it was so interesting to learn about this multifarious life you've led and all these delving into all these different fields. I didn't realize this so recently. It was amazing. But you've you've engaged in military service in Romania. You studied mm-hmm. philology and languages, particularly Mandarin. You worked as a lawyer, did a PhD in psychology at Cambridge, and you worked on positive psychology, the scientific study of human flourishing with the founder of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, at the University of Pennsylvania. You founded your own consultancy, which implements positive education, the application of positive psychology and education all around the world. And you're now an expert on mental toughness. So please tell us about your journey and how it led you to working on areas that are closely wow. related to human flourishing. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me, uh, first of all. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's been like multiple lives, <laughs> I feel like I've led. Um, but I think all interesting and I think everything has had a purpose. And um, I think growing up in a communist country has been kind of an eye-opener and hence the fascination with the mental toughness um, uh, concept itself. Um, I think when you live in a country where you uh, very little freedom of expression, um, very little understanding about what the world out there is. You, your curiosity, it's it's really flamed. You know, it just takes a different level, and um, you want to do the best. And I think for us, uh, for me, definitely, education was the way out, so to speak. And um, I was always fascinated about languages, and I always think you know, words have such a powerful way of affecting people's lives. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be amazing to kind of understand how people think in their own, in a different language and how they express themselves and culturally as well has been very fascinating for me. Um, The law part was a very interesting thing because um, uh, I would love to say that I fell into it, but I didn't. It was almost out of necessity, because when I came to England, my um, teaching degree wasn't recognized. So Mm. I had an option. Do I spend more money relearning something or do I do something really to stretch me and get me out of my comfort zone? Because I know teaching was something which I could do and it was easy. And I think I found that incredibly fascinating, especially um, uh, looking at how different the law is in England compared to Romania, where mm-hmm. we go for the Roman law. And, you know, um, so it's been a, an absolutely wonderful journey for me. And it's um, led me to discover how people function at their best, really, in different circumstances, different stresses, different, um, you know, uh, settings as well. So, um, yeah, and I suppose when I had my child, um, I felt that uh, the world wasn't quite ready for part-time lawyers. <laughs> so that's how I kind of end up doing psychology, thinking what can I do and how can I stretch myself and my knowledge? And and I always loved people. 
I'm a, I am I just love people. I love connecting with people. I love understanding people and how they tick, really, and what makes them happy. And how do you support that other people's happiness? And uh, obviously, psychology, I felt that psychology seemed to be the most natural route for me. Um, but obviously, positive psychology at the time was still quite new. And I thought, wow, to look through a different lens to how people function, I was amazing. And I was thinking, instead of keep fixing people, how about giving them some power to take stock of how they feel, who they are, and uh, how they behave? So that's, um, yeah, that's definitely, I think they're all interlinked to a degree. Everything is about human agency for me and um, is kind of led me to understand people from different perspectives, different contexts as well. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a journey and a half and I wouldn't change it for the world. Awesome. So, okay, so this maybe brings on us onto your key area of expertise then. So you mentioned human agency and equipping people with the skills they need to perhaps to thrive or to, or to, to live mm. the best lives they can. I'd like to try to connect this if we can with mental toughness, your, your main area of expertise now. Is that getting on to some key elements of how you describe and then define mental toughness? What is mental um, toughness? Yeah, I mean, as you know, the concept of mental toughness is it's been really very well researched in sports psychology, very little in organization or leadership. I mean, there's been some tentatives. Um, it's still a little bit um, new. I still think it's a huge uh, amount of development which needs to be done. But um, um, I mean, when I came across the concept of the mental toughness, I was like, um, I almost have this kind of um, a eureka moment to say, actually, isn't that what we want, all want to have? Is that kind of ability to navigate challenges? So for me, it was a, almost a very simple um, a definition, because if I were to Gucciardi, where he says that the personal capacity to produce consistently high levels of subjective or objective performance, despite everyday challenges and stresses, it seems a little bit stifling a little bit. So I thought, well, how about a construct um, which is a reflective of a personal capacity to produce that high level of performance despite everyday challenges, but also um, without compromising our well-being? So for me, that was the key element not in spite of, but, uh, you know, just looking at how do you push, especially looking at the sports psychology where, you know, there is a lot of negative connotation regarding mental toughness. And I feel like sometimes I have to defend the word itself because there are lots of, you know, uh, myths around it that you push through the pain or um, you have to have this grit and perseverance at the expense of your emotional well-being. But for me, it's more about navigating challenges um, and um, having the strength in the face of adversity. Um, but again, it's so much more than just that definition. Firstly, it involves our reaction to stress. Do we crumble? Do we persist in what we do? Uh, do we give up or stay in course? And second, involves our responses to our emotions. So important that we understand where we're at and we take that temperature check and how do we react when you're frustrated? Do you just react? Do you think about your reaction? So for me, these things are always extremely important because it gives you a sense not of just being, but a sense of knowing how to deal, you know, the outcome. It's so much more positive if your emotions are kind of um, understood by yourself and your reaction is understood by yourself. So... Um, and obviously the last involves the greed when we fail uh, obstacles to achieve our goals. And um, I think most of the people um, is the narrative. Sometimes when you tell what you tell yourself becomes your reality. Uh, so for me, that mm -hmm. always been one of the most fascinating concepts when I constructed the, the definition of the, the scarf model for the mental toughness, because it's so important to... Um, to have a, a really good narrative about the stressor or the challenge you face. So you mentioned there, Gilda, the SCARF model, which I take yeah. it is a play on your last name, Gilda SCARF. Yes, is this an is, acronym yeah. for some areas of mental toughness? It is an acronym, absolutely. Right. Yeah, can so you, I de can... developed this for the past eight years. So I, I wanted a 
to provide a practical approach for educators, parents, any other stakeholders, you know, organizations, leaders to flourish. And most of my work is rooted in a concept, as I said to you before, the mental toughness and how to develop those skill sets. And when I started researching, it was a very clear indication to me that when I looked at um, weaving some of the positive psychology domains, I realized that there was something missing. So because I started, most of my work started in education, I realized that one of the big thing was self-efficacy. And for me, that was, that's how I started building uh, the a framework to be able to measure it, but also to monitor and to see what kind of intervention I can put in place to um, to kind of um, build the mental toughness based on the SCARP model. So the SCARP model is S stands for self-efficacy, C for commitment, A for attitude, R for relationship, F for focus, and the last is emotional agility. And I specifically didn't put um, um, emotional regulation because, again, it comes more from the side of control. So I want people to understand that it's not about necessarily regulating or controlling your emotion. It's the ability to recognize when you at your, your weakest point and how you reframe that emotion to empower you to have the best outcome from it. Jilda, will you, um, for the sake of our audience, just break down self-efficacy a little bit because we want to, we'll take kind yes, of the of science course. language and just talk about it in plain terms. <laughs> yes, of course. So self-efficacy is the belief that we can achieve any desired goal through our own actions. So we very responsible. For me, self-efficacy also was very important because it's a level of autonomy. So instead to kind of say, well, is the environment, is the people around me, it's about me. It's everything, it's intrinsic. And most of the domains they are very intrinsic. So we need, when we believe in our ability to perform a task, whether it's preparing for an exam or facing a, co a competition or mastering a skill, we are prompted to act. So for me, this is at the core of everything because if you believe you can and then you commit it to that task or that goal you want to achieve and you approach it with a positive or optimistic attitude, then your ability to focus and stay on task at a time is paramount for building that mental toughness and seeing things for what they are instead what they could be. So instead to look at the past from your past experience, vicarious experiences or for the future, you are present in that moment and you make a judgment or a, or a, um, um, a decision which is not necessarily emotionless. It's more... Um, kind of um, uh, what I'm looking for, the word I'm looking for is more kind of balanced approach to that emotion and the reaction you have to that mm -hmm. challenge or uncertainty. Mm -hmm. this, this is great. And part of the reason I wanted you to double click on self-efficacy is I'd love to kind of tie a couple different concepts together here. So first, I really, really love what you have made clear in sort of a nuanced way, which is a distinguishment between like typically I would explain mental toughness as fragility, resilience, and we we often use the word anti-fragility, but I think you and I are saying the exact same thing in different ways, right? It's mm -hmm. not that you crumble and it's not even that you bounce back. It's you're, that you're able to sort of persist through and maintain high levels or at least moderate levels of well-being, let's say. Do I understand that definition correctly? Absolutely correct. Okay, Absolutely. beautiful. So love that. Um, and then it's interesting to hear in your SCARF model that first part of self-efficacy so whenever I'm talking to somebody about self-efficacy, we often bring up that the irony is some of the biggest contributing factors to self-efficacy are other people, okay? So the, the question I have for you, because it's easy to hear self and then mm -hmm. think my mental toughness is 100% up to me. And there's plenty of good research on the difference between sort of facilitative environments and unrelenting environments. Unrelenting mm -hmm. being these like high stress, high pressure, low support. Facilitative being high stress, high pressure with plenty of support. And I just wonder, is there room sort of in the SCARF model in your conceptualization of mental toughness for sort of a, a, a we piece, not just a me piece, if that makes yeah. sense? Absolutely, is the relationship concept. Right. So the are in relationship because I think 
as much as you, however strong you are, however gritty and perseverant, perseverant you are, if you look at Angela Duckworth's work, obviously, um, you know, which says that grit is an attribute that defines our tendency to persevere in adverse uh, circumstances, you need people. You need a really psychological safe environment, supportive environment. Without that, it's very, very hard. You have to um, to be quite a different person to to you know to 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 go all by yourself you know and i think there is a lot of self in it and there are a lot of intrinsic um elements mm-hmm. and skill sets but we have to remember that we're social animals and regardless how people say well i don't need validation external validation for what i do you do because that's a great motivator when you do something well and somebody recognizes what you do you automatically you're more intense to push yourself through the limit you you want more because you love that feeling and that's for me that's connection with flourishing because if I feel good I function optimally I am just going to be out there and just take the world by its neck and succeed um, regardless so it's not really about the success itself it's about the journey and the ability to push yourself through all these challenges but without compromising that element of well-being you know and uh, you know being able to kind of have a balanced approach to if I fail, I fail, but what have I learned? You know, it's not just the the end result, which is the most important, the mental toughness. This is a tricky question. Maybe we should save it for later in the conversation, but I, I think because we exist in similar worlds when you're talking me- mental toughness, right? Resilience, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And you get into this sort of me, we dynamic. I think it can turn in, quickly turn into a, a tension between do I just suck it up and be quote unquote mentally tough, right? Or am I emotionally agile, right? But where do I cross that line between emotionally agile and being taken advantage of, right? Being in an environment that is forcing me to be tougher than I probably should need to be. And this is the real like kind of key question. How do, how do I know? How do I know if I'm kind of off that tipping point or not? Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And to be honest with you, it's a very gray line on that because it is very difficult. Even if you are very self-aware, um, it's about the choices you make in that time. And I think for me, it's, um, you know, <laughs> you know, look, I came to this country when I was 30, almost 30 years old. And you do encounter a lot of difficulties, partly because I came from Eastern European uh, country, partly because I was doing a degree quite late, which was related to the job I was doing. So I did find a lot of stresses, but I still go back to very much to that um, ability to create a narrative of or, or an explanation about what is happening and not taking things very personally. For me, definitely personally, and this is anecdotal, this is not something to do with research, but for me, that was one of the key elements uh, and that's why I think sometimes people think that mental toughness, is it a trait or is it mm. something you learn? And I have to say, through all my research in the past eight years, I would say that there is an element. You, There is a personality trait there. There is an element, a, a genetic component. And some people have a little bit more than others. And obviously, if you have more and you build upon, then obviously you are more gritty and more mentally tough than others. If you have less, the energy level to get further, it's much more intense. And you have to be very, very prescriptive in a way with your own development of your skills. Um, But to go back to that, beside the self-awareness, I genuinely think is that uh, cognition part of the, the, the way how we see things, the way how we interpret things. And you know that our interpretation to certain stresses are based very much on our experience, our previous experience. So if that is not tainted, is that a factor of feeling? If we are able to define these two things, I think we have a, a better way of understanding how to react in that moment and how to push, like you said. It's not pushing through that pain, it's putting yourself um, um, into a situation where you the grit is that crucial ingredient in 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 pushing and regulating our responses to our negative emotions in that specific moment, and obviously that fills you with confidence, which you need to focus uh, on achievement rather than the fear, fear of failure. 
I hope that yeah. kind of answers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. This is great, Gilda. This is fascinating. The, the scarf model. I love it. And uh, yeah, you mentioned. <laughs> you mentioned I didn't even know he spelled that. I'm not very good with acronyms, to be honest with you. And it was a, a fellow researcher who said, "Did you know actually that you can you can do you can spell your name that way?" And I was like, "Really? I didn't think so." That was very peculiar. I have to Works say, works out very nicely. Yeah, yeah we did tie it up very nicely. Okay, well, you've mentioned some kind of character skills, virtue, strengths, perhaps even traits that are related to mental toughness and are particularly important for it. So resilience and grit have come up. But you also mentioned self-efficacy, commitment, which I imagine might relate to or perhaps be captured by perseverance, the kind of attitude you have, and the skill in constructing a narrative. Can we dig in a little further to these then? So, Because we then want to go into kind of how you build mental toughness, but it might help first to identify a little more about these, these character strengths I, yeah, and social I, virtues. I, which ones? I, yeah, I think what happens with the mental toughness, because there is so much confusion as well. When we talk about mental toughness, people kind of kind of put resilience in the same bracket. Uh, they put greed and perseverance in the same bracket. So, um, you know, I think um, one of the large part of developing that mental toughness involves that, like I mentioned before, that cognitive restructuring. Um, and this is a process during which you question all the negative, the inaccurate thoughts, attitudes and emotion uh, you harbor. Um, it's about changing how you view the world as well as you place in it. Um, and rather than accepting your uh, automatic reaction to the circumstance and entrusting them as a reasonable, uh, you put them under the microscope and you scrutinize them. And this is where the attitude comes in and the focus itself. Because um, when we look at uh, the commitment part of it is, how, what is the extent to which you follow through with your promise when you take a task, when you do some work, whatever that might be? Um, and whether these promises are to yourself or to others, because commitment is not merely a, a promise that one makes to do something. It entails dedication, motivation, mm -hmm. and ability to work hard and to a degree bear uh, an infinite fortitude. Um, and I think you only can do that through curiosity. And I mentioned that before to you, that I feel curiosity is such an amazing thing to motivate, to dig a little bit deeper, to push through certain things which you think is beyond your achievement or beyond what you can do. Um, so for me, always that was a, a big subdomain, I would say, as curiosity for the commitment itself, because um, asking questions to elicit thinking in, in, in anything we do and showing enthusiasm and joy when we discover new things, it, it's got to give you even an element of flourishing, I would say. I mean, definitely for me, on a personal level, that discovering new things or new, uh, when I talk to you, John, sometimes, you know, and you say something, I just have to go away and take that word or that sentence or that phrase you mentioned and think, I didn't think about that. So that, I think, which is very, very important to evolving, to, to research as well. We need to question the status quo of most of the words and the interpretation of our words. You know, when people say, well, isn't mental toughness the same thing with resilience? No, it's not. It's very subtle mm -hmm. difference, but mm -hmm. it's not. It's not the same thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, you develop different skill sets in resilience. You know, like I would say, the resilience is something of the past, I would say, you know, yeah. um, because you experience something, you bounce back, you move on. As mental toughness is present, you walk with it. You push your way through it in the present, regardless of the outcome later on, because the outcome is a reward, is the journey who builds that mental toughness, your approach to um committing yourself, focusing on something which is important and meaningful to you. It's interesting. You, This sounds very acceptance commitment oriented in many ways. Yeah. Like it it, it, you mentioned the cognitive piece earlier, and clearly there's an aspect of that. I think there always has to be because you're working with inner thoughts, right? And potential thought distortions and things of that nature. But you're talking about identifying values aligned behavior and moving forward in those values aligned way regardless of sort of what's happening around you to the to the extent possible right are we understanding that correctly absolutely and yeah. it starts i always think that it starts very much with that what i call it a personal brand identity being able to view yourself 
from an external point of view, because, you know, when I, if you were asking me what my strengths are, what, what defines who I am, and I will tell you something, but then if I ask your perception about me, your perception is informed by my behavior, by the way how I show up to you, right? Mm. And it might not be what I think I do. Um, so I think we really need to be very careful about that definition, about that construct of who am I and how do I show up in the world? Is he exactly a mirror of what I think I am? Is mm. as is my behavior, my um, my skill set kind of matches what I think I am, or is it just a perception? Because I want to be. Because we have this ability as human beings to kind of put aside things which we're not very comfortable with. So we kind of just like just put them a little bit on the side, and we don't want to deal with it. But it takes a lot of courage to and a lot of um, uh, honesty to show up in the world, you know, the way how you are and learn from it. It's, in, it's interesting you use the word, you know, honesty, because what was popped in my head was self-concordance, authenticity, values-aligned behavior, right? Those sorts of things. And as you're you're walking through kind of the, the question John asked about character, I'm just noting some of the ones that seem to me kind of obvious connections. So grit, resilience, patience, temperance, self-regulation, distress tolerance, those sorts of things. And maybe we tie it back to that earlier question around, like I'll candidly put it, when to grit and when to quit, right? So if maybe your values are around self-regulation and distress tolerance, and I'm I'm the person that endures, yeah. right? That might suggest maybe a, a, a willingness to kind of be mentally tougher, but it might also nudge you over that tipping point we talked about. Mm. Whereas if a, if your values are a little bit more, I believe in fairness, I believe in gratitude, I believe in kindness, and my boss just doesn't share those values, I, I don't want to be mentally tough here. I need to get out. I, I'm not yeah. going to be optimistic in this, right? What are your thoughts there? Oh, well, I definitely agree with that. And the thing is that um, it, it is about it is about finding that meaning. You know, you can't push towards something because for the sake of pushing towards something, it has to have you have to connect it with a meaning and purpose. And sometimes it has to be bigger than yourself, because, you know, we like you keep saying about self at the at the beginning, we 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 can do a lot of stuff in isolation and. We, we we still not feel like we're flourishing or we're thriving. It's just like, but I'm doing a great stuff. But you don't because it's just so you, you. It's me, me, me all the time. But when you go out there, it's very important to, to do it for the bigger, for the bigger uh, purpose. But when you said about the, the context of the workplace, um, I think it is that self-acceptance to say, is he serving me well what mm. I'm trying to do? And I think for me, it's always that question. Is it serving me or is it harming me? If you have that question, I think you already start creating a pathway. Because for me, that is the most important question. Is it harming me or is he, is he empowering me? If it doesn't, you still have to have a conversation with your boss or whoever it is, even if it's your family. Um, but you need to be to have that level of vulnerability and honesty because it's not what you want to be seen like is what you actually bring to the table. You know, you have to have that honesty about who you truly are and what do you do? Because again, we live in a society where the blame is always external. It's never my fault. It's never your fault because you didn't put the right question or whatever it is. So we need to be accountable about, and that's what the self comes for me, you know, accountability about my feelings, my reaction, my behavior, and my impact on other people. It's got to be there. It reminded me a bit of Paul Bloom's somewhat recent book, The Sweet Spot, right? Because you you mentioned meaning. It's somewhat ironic, you know, before we really kind of went live, we were all sitting here talking about the importance of meaning. But what I think I heard there is that sometimes, like, you can't just associate unpleasantness, right, as being a prerequisite uh, maybe for mental toughness, right? Like, if there's plenty of meaning there, it might be affectively unpleasant, but in some ways very fulfilling and rewarding, right? Oh, and that, absolutely. That's going to support and empower that quote-unquote mental toughness. It's not not the same type of distress tolerance, right, I guess. Yeah. And again, I, the same how we perceive stress or, or obstacles sure. as well. I think for me that always has been very important because, again, you know, life, it's suffering. Like 
feels up and down. And if you don't know how to deal with the downs, you're not going to be able to, to know how to deal with the ups. But um, again, it's it's coming down very much to how harmful that distress is for you. You know, where do you see, because you do have that a certain amount of tolerance and sometimes pushing through that pain. I mean, if you look at the All Blacks, which I, I'm absolutely fascinated by the way how they persevere in face of adversity, but it wasn't the ultimate goal. Obviously, they wanted to be the greatest, but it's the way how systematically work together to bring the best on each other you know, to learn from each other, how they show vulnerability. Because again, we talk about vulnerability so much, but we show so little. We make a mistakes, we're terrified. If I say something which, inadvertently, maybe I didn't think it through, I will be in my mind, I will say, oh, I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't have said, but I'm human and I made a mistake. But it's about how you deal with that, how you learn from it and how you kind of create that kind of construct around that failure or that that stressor, which helps you deal the next time, because it's like building a muscle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's how I feel mental toughness is. It's just layer after layer after layer. The more you put in it, the more you expand and the more you grow and the more you're flourishing as well, because all these concepts, you know, even if they're cognitive, like commitment and focus, they're cognitive skills, executive functioning skills, but they're paramount to developing that it's not just the emotional state which informs our behavior, but it's our cognition as well. And we seem to sometimes step away when we talk about well-being or flourishing. We we tend to step away a little bit from cognition. We're kind of thinking it's just a feeling. It's though how we deal with things. But I think it's just bringing this back. We, from a holistic point of view, I think it's very important to to recognize all these little nuances which are so important to. To, to be able to exist and coexist in a flourishing society and build that. I love that Nick brought up this phrase, when to grit and when to quit, because when you describe the SCARF model, the C commitment, you describe that as the extent to which you follow through the promise. And yeah. the immediate thought that came to mind was that in some cases, it seems that someone has to have a great degree of mental toughness to sometimes change path and, you know, decide that they can no longer follow through with a promise that they may have made because maybe something more important has emerged or they got their priorities wrong and so on. And I've, I've been trying throughout this conversation to think how you your scarf model has the resources to handle that. And it seems it it does because if you're focusing on, you know, what ultimately matters most to you and to perhaps your loved ones, the people you're working with, and maybe the original commitment you made, the promise you made doesn't quite reflect that. You've got to adjust things, which means withdrawing from a, a particular commitment, changing an obligation you had towards some other promise originally. And so maybe changing path and that itself takes a lot of strength and requires a certain attitude, pure A in the model. And focus, of course, is the F and requires emotional agility. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a hard conversation you've got to have here. But I mean, I guess my question is where, where do you then kind of draw the line for commitment? that part of the scarf model being a sign of mental toughness, um, mm-hmm. following through with that or withdrawing from that using other resources. And where where is it not that? Where does it indicate a lack of mental toughness if someone withdraws from some commitment and doesn't follow through? When you're not flexible. I mean, that comes without saying for me. It's, it's, it's one of the most, simple in, 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 the, in a very simplistic way, I would say commitment, it's very important because obviously if you commit yourself, so I'll give you an example to make it a little bit perhaps more, tangible. So when I started, I started studying psychology, my goal was to go in forensic psychology because I thought this will help me. I've got a low background. This is great. This, you know, I've got a lot of resources from low, so we'll just go very well together, right? Mm-hmm. And I will say that in the same time, I felt disappointment because I was like, I'm not sure if I want, do I really want to do this? And it was you know, you talk about meaning and purpose and do I do it for my family? Do I do it for myself? Do I do it for the greater good? What is it? For me at that point, I had to pause and think about why. I needed to to, to actually, is it because my parents expected that? Is it because I made a promise to myself and committed myself to something which now I don't have courage to change because I made a promise to myself, I have to stick with it. So for me, that was really a tough decision to go into something which I never thought I would end up doing in schools, you know, never would have imagined that. 
But having a child has changed my perspective. I'm thinking, what is more important to 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 use this to prove certain points, or to use all the skills, all the knowledge I have to empower or to find the best way to empower people to become the best version of themselves. Mm. And the and I really struggle with the even with the construct when I when I created the scale for measuring mental toughness, constructing the definition of commitment for a scale. It's just it's been so difficult because easy commitment to a task, easy commitment to a, a goal specifically. But for me, that you know, going back to your to to answer your question is having the flexibility, the cognitive flexibility in understanding what is serves me best, where I might can put my skill set best. And I could say that skill set was much better in law than it would have been in education. Uh, because I had a huge gap of 15 years where I haven't been in education. And then I, what do I know? I, what did I know about English education? Nothing, really. So I literally had to go to the, the drawing board. But for me, it was the fact that it took me out of my comfort zone. It made me learn something new, made me push towards something I did not know very well. And I felt challenged. And for me, that challenge made me committed to that specific goal to shift and change hence my changes of, of professions I never did it in a in a you know in an impulse it was something which I thought it through and I was scared I can't tell you know at 40 to try to change careers is not easy because it, it all depends you know you have a child you you want, you want financial stability you know most of us however much we think we flourish because we have this perception about what life is all about you need to have some security right? And for me, that was the most difficult decision I had to make. But I did it because I felt I will plateau. I will languish. I will not be the person I am today if I will not do something which I think it will push me out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone. So, Jilda, John wants to take us uh, down the road of measuring, as we should, because you just brought it up and we're super curious. How do you measure this? Like, for people listening, how do I assess what level I'm at? How do I? And then we want to think about how do I bring myself to higher levels? Before we Mm. do that, you've mentioned two terms consistently that I just want to make sure we're very clear on because I think they're critical to this conversation. Cognitive flexibility and emotional agility. Will you Mm -hmm. just kind of take us through both of those briefly and then John will take us down the measurement road? Yeah, of course. Well, um, when I said to you before, when uh, um, when I was looking at the emotional part of it, and I was trying to look at, um, I, I, I started with emotional regulation, obviously, because, you know, it's been very well researched. Um, and I really wanted to, to go into um, understanding, you know, if you label your emotion, then you regulate your emotion. But then I um, um, found um, Susan David's work. Yep. And then I was like, what a beautiful way to look at emotion as a process that enables us to navigate life's challenges and obstacles with self-acceptance, with clear-sightedness, with an open mind. So for me, that was absolutely no-brainer using emotional agility in that context. Cognitive flexibility um, is the ability to understand, you know, simple terms, <laughs> to, to know when to quit, when to, to change, um, but with a great level of understanding of that process is not in a whim. It's not something, oh, this is too hard now. This is, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. It's more about the ability to have different lenses and being able to monitor all these elements and see which one serves me best. So for me, all is, as I said to you before, is it serving me the best? Does it serve my skill set? Does it meet my my expectation, or does he not necessarily harm me, but I just feel that is not going anywhere, is not in is not powerful enough to create a change. Because for me, everything should be about change, should be empowering. We should never plateau. We should always consistently grow, slowly, slowly, adding different layers to our behavior, to our emotions, to our understanding of the world, to our compassion and empathy towards people. All these elements, they come in the same pod, but it's giving you that mental strength and ability to navigate life at its so best. So cognitive flexibility, thinking about our thinking, 
right? Yeah. Thinking about our thoughts. Metacognition, not, really. Not, yeah, <laughs> right. Not just the immediate thoughts, but all the thoughts. And this, not to get too nerdy, but this is where the disputation comes in, right? But seeing all the potential thoughts that could be at play and then kind of selecting the ones that best serve us, right? That cognitive framing. Emotional agility, experience, I'm thinking of Todd Cashton's word, the richness, right? The full range of emotion, right? Be able to sit in these different emotions and then still navigate them, maybe even harness them in ways that serve us going forward. So similar mechanisms, but one's on the cognitive side and one's sort of and on one the affective side. Yeah, beautiful. I love, love the it. way sitting, you know, this is one of my go-to word, you know, we don't sit enough with emotion mm. or with behavior, with reaction. We just do things. We we so desperately rushing towards things that we don't sit. And I think that sitting, you know, Viktor Frankl work, you know, I mean, what mm. can I say? Between the stimulus and response, there is a space and that space is our power to make a decision to understand. And I think that is, I'm not, uh, I don't do mindfulness a lot. I don't do, uh, you know, meditation but I sit with things. And I think that's where, when you sit, it gives yourself a bit of space to understand. And for me, sitting with an emotion, but putting different lenses in seeing that outcome, whatever that is, it's very important because then you'll be able to balance things out. Great. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Gilda. This This is great. So I do want to take some measuring before I do. Let's just flag some connections with other episodes that this is in, this is linking with quite nicely for our listeners. So our first ever episode was with Todd Cashton, and that was on navigating unpleasantness and change. Really, those, those were key themes in there, which I'm, I'm getting the sense from this conversation, particularly from those areas you were mentioning there, that that, that, that work ties in very nicely with that. And um, when we interviewed uh, Talban Shahar, he was talking about anti-fragility as resilience 2.0 zero is the definition of it and mm-hmm. some some areas that the ways you describe mental toughness here how it seems to resonate with with some of those themes as well so just flagging those for our listeners anyway going back in so let's now talk about you know, the measurement of mental toughness we've got all these aspects of it these character strengths and so on and you you mentioned a moment ago that you you kind of had some difficulties when you were trying to figure out how to measure it because it's quite complex so how can we measure and how can we therefore build by understanding better how to measure mental toughness yeah it is very difficult because again it's so dynamic and it's so subjective as well as most of the things um but um in reality you know um i only know one single one measure which i tried to use it in my research when i was um, uh, developing when i was doing my phd and i find it quite hard and it was the four c's um uh dr peter clough and he took the the mental toughness from hardiness from kobasa and um i've done that through uh, a lot of students i use it a lot of students and a lot of an organization and it, it was just giving me false positives so i'm thinking how about if i try to do my own construct and i'm not there yet i'm close to it, but I think the biggest problem which you find with mental toughness is that um, when you look at too much popular psychology is predicted on an individual subjective point of view uh, and kind of often emerging almost like a guru kind of. Um, so there is a great deal of kind of um, kind of anecdotal measuring um, or much of uh, faith based practitioner that adopts certain models or approaches on the basis of the flimsiest of the evidence and sometimes not the evidence at all. And for me, it was really trying to, 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 to create a measure based on the SCARF model who has a really strong construct on its definition itself. And as you all know, trying to, to construct a definition even for focus itself is not just taking the, the, the terminology of what focus means, is constructing a definition for the questions which you put in place. So um, I kind of spent a, a good part of four years at the moment on the fundamental theoretical beginnings and designs of the measure itself. And um, I'm carry on trying to build upon it. And one of the most useful scale which I had uh, who helped me um, look at the construct was uh, Carol Reeves' psychological well-being scale. Yep. Um, it's, I use that in my dissertation as well. Oh, it is it is an, an absolutely amazing scale. And you know, if you look at her work, she says very clearly it's dynamic, it's subjective, it's 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 quite vast. 
But for me, trying to, how do you measure focus, for example? How, what is the construct definition for focus? It's not very difficult and it's not very simple. But in the same time, I think it's very, very important that we, um, I, I take my time to uh, try to narrow it down because we know very well how difficult it is to um um, to measure these things. And uh, one of the, the biggest problem I have is that when somebody takes a measure and doesn't matter how clinical the environment is, um, if you had a, a stressor in that day, your answers are going to be influenced because your emotions yeah. is there. Yeah. So it's, it is very difficult, but I do believe that you can measure. And I think the 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 one thing which I can we can measure you can take the you know the emotional agility it's very kind of easy to to measure and the self efficacy there's so many good constructs and scales um, but the the ones which I'm, I always struggle is the commitment and the focus you know because of that construct of that definition on what am I gauging and your question was so on point uh, John when you mentioned. But when do you know to commit yourself and when do you know how to change? When and to what level are you mentally tough? And I think that both extremes, the fact that you persist into your commitment because it has meaningful, meaning mean, it's meaningful to you, it shows mental toughness, but also shows mental toughness if you give up because it's not the right thing. It doesn't give you the same outcome which you envisage to have for yourself. So um I do believe that it is. It's still, it's still much in, 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 in still development. I rather take my time. Um, I've submitted the first, uh, the first version to a journal to, to see the conceptualization of the scale. So I'm, it's awesome. going through the peer review at the moment. So exciting. Pretty terrifying. Pretty terrifying because sure. Exciting it's, though. It's nothing out there which is really evidence based. It's quite anecdotal and. You know, and I mentioned to you the 4C scale before, the MTQ48. When you measure, for example, confidence, confidence and ability and interpersonal confidence, you put them together, it gives you a false positive because you can be high on interpersonal, sure. very low on ability. Sure. And then, oh, I'm actually quite mentally tough. No, you're not. Because they are two different constructs. They are very, very separate. So, um, yeah, so it needs a lot of work. It's still a very new, it still needs a lot of development, a lot of, tapping in into, into the concept itself of the word. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. Okay, One so, step at a time. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Gilda. I really hope I really hope you publish this. <laughs> and pl please send it to us in the meantime. Yes. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, thank so, you. So, okay, you're, you're developing your own scale then, or you've developed your own yeah. scale for measuring mental toughness. We'd love to hear about how that relates to the scarf model if it if it does and how you would go about building each of the areas you try to measure on the scale so for example we're just wondering here whether you perhaps build each part of the scarf model as a way yeah. of building mental toughness or maybe and slash or maybe there's something else so if you could describe with us kind of how that scale works in measuring parts of it mm -hmm. and measuring it as a whole and then how you also how we can how we can go away and then build mental toughness ourselves in relation to yeah. work that'd be great okay well um so Definitely, the, the 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 scale initially wasn't on the. I I, I tried to use um, um, a different different concept to try them to see how they work um, in terms of scales because, as I said, I'm not you know I'm not a statistician and I find it really difficult looking at um, building a scale. But I realized that it's a very important, even if it's for monitoring purposes, to see to take a temperature check on people to see you know. Are you kind of there or almost there or where are you at? And I use the SCARF model uh, itself. So I have 10 questions on self-efficacy and then commitment and focus. And um, I build a construct definition for um, each of them. And um, obviously some of the um, um, uh, construct on the, on the questionnaires, for example, for self-efficacy itself, I have taken them like self-efficacy. I've taken from the inventory from from very well researched um, scales on um, uh, on 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 themselves. So it's been um, it's it's very it's not it's not easy, um, but it's not about that. It's just 
my biggest struggle is the construct of the 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 definition itself and as i said the, the biggest one is this commitment and focus because i was looking at flow for example because focus is very related to flow as well mm-hmm. but again there is no measuring as such in flow and it makes it really difficult to uh to work uh on that um uh, on that way so um i'm trying to bring as much of the previous scales or previous work on the self-efficacy, emotional agility, um, and relationships uh, from um, other constructs. But the bigger struggle is obviously with the two ones, which are the commitment and the focus, which are the most, they're providing a very difficult um, outlook to to be able to grasp or to even to put the question itself because it's with a commitment has to be very much task or goal orientated for mm-hmm. people to be able to answer that question and to define that. So yeah, so still a little bit of of work in in trying to to kind of design those questions which yeah. are very direct and doesn't give too much room of of too much gray matter, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, sure. So related now to all that then, so this this sounds very promising and exciting. Please do send me the, the draft. I'd love to love to read it. What are some, I, I imagine there's many ways to build mental toughness, right? And, and you, you, you're you expert on this, you, you run courses on this, so yeah. there'll be a lot to cover, but what are some kind of key strategies that we could take away on how we can go and build mental toughness? Well, I would say that one of the key um, um, values um, or, or, or abilities in pursuit is really looking at the concept um, of because uh, I, I always love the the to associate mental toughness with flourishing. So for me, that always because people always think that is kind of a negative thing or it's just like grit and perseverance. And you know, how do you flourish if you keep pushing through and you know through your best self. But for me, it's um, going back to the attributes that describe a a flourishing human being captured by the, you know, Carol Reeves six factor model of of psychological well-being. But going back to how do you build mental toughness, it's really by being committed to growing within and developing um, and um, cultivating environments that form uh, our capabilities, believing in ourselves and in our ability, actually having a really good construct of who are we and what our skill set and our abilities, knowing about our health and how to be healthy. Because sometimes when you, know, you talk about mental health, you only, you know, sorry, mental toughness, you only think about the the skills and the competencies. But let's not forget that there has to be a huge element of wellness into that our health sleep you know not being able to sleep well you know you're never going to be performing at your best or at your optimal if you don't have a good amount of sleep um, or good nutrition but a large part of developing mental toughness for me involves that cognitive restructuring which is that process of which you questions you question all the negative the inaccurate thoughts the attitudes and the emotion that harbor and it's about changing and reframing how you view the world uh, for it. So rather than accepting that kind of reaction to certain circumstances, to certain uh, uncertainties, which we live in a society where everything is almost uncertain, everything is, you have very little certainty about things around you, but it's the way how you create that narrative. And for me, that is at the core of everything. SCARF model sits on that cognitive restructuring and our ability to understand who we are, our values, our principles, um, and then what we want and what is that meaning? What is that meaning beyond ourselves? Because I think it's very important. You know, people talk about, you know, building gratitude. It's such a powerful thing to build gratitude, but also being building empathy and kindness around you, which is not for you, is for others. I think it's a very powerful way of, of building that because it gives you that wonderful feeling inside when you do something good you are taking on the world and you will do whatever it takes whatever that might be 
So, Jilda, you've heard enough of our episodes that, you know, we we always wrap things up with a flourishing question, right? Which is sort mm-hmm. of like, what's the one thing? And at the same time, we recognize you've done such a brilliant job of being very nuanced and saying it's a complex topic. There's a lot of different subcomponents, right? You have your own model. We're going to ask you anyway. So if you had to boil it down to sort of the 80-20, the high impact, like, is it cognitive restructuring? And if so, can you give our listeners a tool, kind of a set of questions, Right. What can they walk away with and immediately start to help themselves in a really impactful way? Well, I think it's very important to know how to. And I think for me, is that, you know, we I've been desperately for for years to kind of close that gap between research and practice because it's a it's it's so much research out there in well-being and flourishing and mental toughness and resilience, you name it. But how do you take those concepts and how do you apply it to your life? And for me, it's very much about building certain skill sets, you know, from visualization, uh, positive thinking, affirmation, thinking three um, positive things, turning negative ants into pets, you know, pets, turning negative into positive, um, finding your strength and finding, marrying that strength with your meaning and your purpose, doing good, feeling good. I think it's important because, look, the reality is, we all encounter setbacks and misfortune. And this has been, it, this is not new. We always, this has been, it's now more visible because we talk about it a little bit more. So when life throws you a curveball, a predicament that derivates from your plans, you are left with two options. You either adapt with resolve or react with emotion. So for me, that's, I will always say, say, sit. It's not easy. You know, top, we know that top perform is an area of life will choose the former. And no one is born with innate resolve. No one is gifted at birth with emotional mastery or mental toughness or psychological resilience. It's just like still is tempered in fire. Our minds are tempered by adversity. I really am a great believer of that. And we are toughened by hardship and discomfort. And that's something we should all embrace and celebrate, sit with it and transform that uneasy feeling or that kind of uh, discomfort into something which is meaningful and purposeful um, because it's easy to get engulfed in the discomfort and negative thoughts. It's just the way how you tap into your skills and your ability to reframe that. And sometimes just pure and simple accepting that the situation might be not what it is. So it is... You know, mastering flourishing is not easy, you know, and it's not a spectator. And also the most important bit is that you can't build mental toughness when it suits you or when you're in stressor. Mm. It's a Mm. day-to-day practice. Look at the Stoics. You know, that's all I can say. You look at the Stoics and they will tell, they will give you life lessons you will never forget. Great. Definitely. Love that. All right. That's a lovely way to complete a wonderful conversation with you today, Gilda. This has been so interesting. Learned a hell of a lot about mental toughness and it's been nice to connect this up with so many themes important to flourishing and to really dig deep learning more about your work and the the fascinating life you've led. Gilda, please, can you tell us where our listeners and our watchers can learn more about your work? Well, they can go to the Mental Toughness Institute, which is something I haven't yet launched but it's there um and the positive ed.com so positive hyphen ed.com uh it's mostly the work in education um but i uh, am so grateful to you both for giving me the platform to talk about something not i'm passionate only i'm passionate about it but i have learned some bits and bobs from you today as well from your questioning which is very powerful for me um because sometimes you look because you're so involved in your own subject that you think you know sure. it all. And you realize that every time when you talk to other people, they will give you a thread and it's something food for thought and you can t- take away and hopefully will develop into something meaningful and, uh, you know, practical for people to take away and build themselves. So hopefully once I have got the measure, um, measure sorted and validated, Please um, let us know. To yeah. see how it goes. Absolutely. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Very, very grateful to you both. Thank you, Jilda. It was thank our you. pleasure. Yeah. Thank Take you. care. Thank you, Jilda. It's yeah. been great. Talk Thanks. soon. Bye. Bye. 
Huge thanks to all of you for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, please share it with friends, family, colleagues, and be sure to leave us a five-star review. Uh, you can also find us on all social media platforms. Uh, we've got our own YouTube channel, and you can check out our website at flourishfmpodcast.com. We'd also love to hear from you. There's a survey in the show notes you can complete where you can complete any suggestions on guests you'd like to hear us interview or particular topics or themes you'd like to hear us talk about. We'd love to hear your feedback on that. So your feedback would be greatly appreciated if you could fill out that form. Until next time, thank you very much for joining us today. And keep putting in the work.